This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. This is Carl Valerian. Today, I have a really special guest with me, uh, Tim Lake. And Tim is actually uh, somebody who was wrote into the show before. And what he has done is he's come out to visit us here in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, thanks to Shelter, by the way, for the, the conference room for the interview. And like I've said in the past, if you want to come visit, uh, we are here at Lakeland Airport. Just make sure if you do come in after hours, uh, you'll let Shelter know about it because uh, Tim actually flew in really late uh, last Last night. Again, the special episode with Tim Lake. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, I tell you, we, we've had people stop by and visit us and fly in commercially. You actually flew in in an airplane, your own airplane. So tell us, what did you fly in, first of all? For the f- well, I flew in my Cessna 172, which uh, I bought last year. Um, you know, I never thought I'd be able to afford an airplane, but I had a, a something fell in my lap, an arrangement where I could uh, lease the airplane to a flight school, and uh, not only can I afford it, but it's making money, so that's a great thing. Awesome. Well, well, we'll back up with Tim's uh, story here. Tim, actually, is uh, you have a really interesting story in that you're a career changer, and you wrote in and uh, told us that, hey, you know, you're somebody that might be a little bit too late to the game, uh, just like a lot of the people that write in. So tell us a little bit about that email that you sent us and what has changed since that time. Oh, sure. Uh, well, at the time I sent that email, it was last spring. And uh, I was uh, an assistant principal of a high school, been in the public education business for about 21 years. Um, I can't say that I was uh, super happy and fulfilled in that business, and I've always wanted to be a pilot, uh, but uh, I just never did any kind of flight training because it was uh, uh, a bit out of reach financially for me, and uh, I wasn't real sure how I was going to do that. And then I thought, well, you know, even if I get a pilot's license, if I could somehow squeeze out the money to do that, then what? You know, I can't afford an airplane or, you know, what do I do? Just rent airplanes all the time. And um, so, you know, being in the public education business, uh, I've gotten accustomed to, uh, you know, making it on not as much money as some people make. So, <laughs> um, so that's just uh, kind of a fact of life. But finally, I just decided I'm going to try to go for it here because uh, as I uh, – as I was taking my private pilot training, uh, my instructor was a year older than I was and telling me that he was going to, you know, he was shooting to be a uh, Southwest pilot. And I thought, uh, wow, I thought, aren't you kind of old to be doing that? You know, he had more gray hair than I do. And uh, he said, oh, no. And then he proceeded to tell me the whole story about the pilot situation currently. So how, uh, speaking of age, how old were you at the time when you made that decision? Uh, at the time, I was 46. He was 47. I'm now 47. And... Uh, so after he told me that, and it got the, the wheels turning in my head and uh, starting to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, I didn't really like what I was doing. I really wanted to be a pilot, and uh, I just hadn't thought of it from a career perspective until he told me that, and then uh, everything changed that day. Awesome. Well, what's really cool about Tim is the fact that you've you've actually gone through this process a lot quicker than most, and you've changed careers from something very stable 
something that you actually enjoy doing, but this is much better. You're enjoying this much better. But uh, one of the things that a lot of people have a problem with is actually making that first jump. You didn't just make a you know a jump. You made a huge leap. You, you And we're going to get a little bit into that because sure. you've actually been able to make a living flight instructing and also doing some other things. And we'll go into that a little bit later. Uh, but, but really, you've given up this, just like some people have looked at, given up this salary, you've given up the pension and all this just to get into this this is a career and uh, any regrets so far uh, no, uh, all the bills are being paid so far, and uh, definitely no regrets. And the, the fact that I'm flying airplanes every day, you know, and teaching. I love teaching, uh, and I love flying. So uh, it's just a matter of if I can make ends meet, then uh, then it's great. It is a giant leap of faith for me, and I'll, I don't mind telling anybody it's uh, it's definitely stepping out in faith, and uh, it's uh, it's I'm, I'm confident it's going to work out. But yeah, it, it, the the pace that I've gone. Uh, through my training at is uh, is just it's a fever pace. It's really just uh, like drinking water from a fire hose. <laughs> so it's possible though. And uh, and how did you go about doing that? I mean, here we went from the job to flying and financing that. Were you able to work at the same time and then finance your training, or did you just make that jump? Well, I, I started training in March of 2016, and at that time, uh, I still had my full time job as an assistant principal, high school. And uh, so I had that stability there. Uh, I wasn't getting rich, but I had stability. And uh, but uh, as far as training, uh, you know, I could only afford maybe two, three lessons a month, and I know that's not ideal. Uh, so it took me about eight months to get my private pilot's license. And uh, but then uh, th- things started to uh, kind of go my way in a lot of different ways. And talking about that airplane, you know, I bought the airplane in July. I probably had about 20 hours toward my private training done at that point. And uh, so now all of a sudden I had an airplane I could fly for training. I didn't have to pay for to to use because it was mine. And also it was making money as a, a flight school leaseback airplane. And so um, you know, it was it was financing my training completely, and then also making income, and so I could pick up the pace. And then when it came time for uh, you know the more advanced ratings, I, I got instrument, commercial, uh, CFI initial, and CFII all in the span of about three months. That's pretty darn quick. <laughs> that's that's really good. That's like going to some of these bigger schools. Let's let's circle back to that about the airplane because I am sure there's a lot of people that are listening right now saying, "Hey, I'm thinking of buying an airplane." We get those emails all the time and putting it on on leaseback. Is there any way you could give us a little more color as to how that pro- how you go about that process? Because uh, there's a lot more than just, "Hey, I'm buying an airplane, put it on leaseback." Sure. Uh, well, I, I guess I need to first. I think it's clear now that uh, I, I can't afford an airplane on my own. There's no way, and so I, I could not possibly decide to make that purchase without first having an arrangement with a flight school. And so I I was talking to the owner of the flight school where I was doing my training, and it just so happened that he was in need of leasing a 172 right at that time. Uh, And he's got somebody working for him who is a a sales broker for aircraft, and so he was able to help me quite a lot in the process because it's a complicated process. Uh, It's a a lot like buying a house, I think, (laughs) you know, buying an airplane. And so... Uh, he helped me through that. I, I searched nationwide for an airplane with the right specifications, and I got one that suited their needs. Um, and so essentially I provided the credit, which you have to have if you're going to get a loan for an airplane, and I provided a, uh, I believe it was a 15% or 20% down payment. So if you can come up with those two things, you can get a loan for an airplane, and you have a relationship with 
a flight school that happens to need that airplane, uh, then you can make that work. So it all just everything just lined up the way it needed to for me, and uh, it was it was quite a, a timely blessing. Yeah, it sure was a blessing, and and that's why you're here today is because of that, uh, being Absolutely. able to, and it's actually making you some money because uh, how how does that actually work? If you can give us some examples, if someone's thinking about doing a, a lease back, how, how do you really make money as a lease back? How does, how does that work? Well, there there are different arrangements that uh, that different folks get into um, some some variety in the type of arrangement you can have. Uh, the one I have is uh, essentially the the flight school has its own maintenance department. So they maintain the airplane, they insure the airplane, um, and they pay for, obviously, the a place to store it and things like that. So I don't have any expenses other than any kind of major upgrades if I have to put a new prop on it or if I have to overhaul the engine or things like that. I, I'm responsible for those. Um, you know, the the avionics update that's coming for January 1st of 2020, I'm going to be responsible for paying for that because it's a major upgrade. But uh uh, as far as just the normal the oil changes and the hundred hour inspections and the you know if a tire blows or you know just general wear and tear and maintenance, they take care of all of that um, and uh, and they just essentially write me a check at the end of the month for a certain amount per hour that it flies so there is the ability to make money on a lease back. I always hear people saying, "Oh no, you can't do that and and you you're proving that you can and but you have to have the right situation absolutely and and not only can you make money i mean i've I've made a very modest profit with that airplane so far, even given the fact that I've used the money from that airplane to pay for every dime of my training since I got it. And so we're talking probably, I'm going to say $25,000 worth of training that I've had so far that that airplane has paid for. And in addition to that, I've also made just a little bit of income with it. So you get the benefit of using the airplane, and that's uh, it's not much of a cost to you. You're flying it today. The, the downside, it's offline. But you also get the benefit of income when somebody else is is leasing it or using it or renting it and using it for lessons. Oh, that's right. And, uh, you know, whenever I could, uh, some ratings you can use a Cessna 172. Some other ones you have to use a complex airplane. Um, so, you know, when I, when I can use that airplane, obviously I don't have to pay to rent my own airplane. Uh, but then the income that it generates when other people use it pays for the instruction I receive, uh, you know, pays for the instructor, and also paid for the complex airplane rental when I had to do that. So if people are asking right now themselves, hey, how do, how do I do this? I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions. If you don't mind, you know, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you don't mind, if we can forward those emails. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure we're going to get quite a few questions on that. Absolutely. There's also some organizations out there that kind of help you. Like, I think AOPA has some things on their website. Did you any, use any of those online resources as to how to set up a leaseback? I did. Uh, AOPA has some, some great sample contracts because uh, I knew absolutely nothing about, you know, what's, what, what needed to be in a contract like that. And so they had some sample contracts that I used just to make sure my bases were covered. I did consult with a lawyer uh, to create an LLC for this uh, for this company that leases back the airplane, and uh, mostly just to shelter me and my family from possible liability issues if if anything were to happen. But uh, uh, but then the you know, the contracts and uh, other documentation that's available on AOPA is great. Um, I did check with them also about insurance. Uh, just in case I needed any additional insurance, because the flight school does provide insurance for not only themselves, but they also have uh, they have me named in their insurance policy as an additional named insured. So if I'm just flying it for personal use like I am now, uh, I'm covered under their insurance for that. And so, um, but uh, 
you know, AOPA, I did, uh, I did notice that uh, from talking, to, I did actually talk to somebody about some things at AOPA, and they uh, confided that insurance does, if you do have to provide your own insurance, it's a little more expensive uh, when it's a, a flight school airplane. I mean, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> you got students flying them all the time. But, um, but you know, uh, insurance still really is, is not that much. Interestingly, when, when I was looking at it myself, it was quite a bit more than me just owning it myself, but I had a complex aircraft, you know, mm-hmm. high performance. Yes. It depends on the aircraft, too. So the leaseback, uh, we talked about this offline, it, it's dependent on your situation, meaning is that airplane something a lot of people want to use? Uh, if it's something that's complex, very specific, like if you buy a jet trainer, uh, there's, there's a much different dynamic there. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, it, now going back to this as far as the, the plane, let's go back to money. That's one way you're making money, okay? And then we talked a little bit more about the flight instruction side of things. You're flight instructing, and that's a dollars per hour. You're doing both the flight instruction and also the ground, and you charge for ground instruction and brief and debrief, correct? Yes, definitely. Okay. So then you're able to do about how many hours a week or a month? Uh, I'm I'm still building my schedule at this point, but... Uh you know, I, I started, uh, I got my, my CFI initial right at the end of July, and I've now got probably nine or ten students. And so I'm able to get, um, I'm, I'm shooting for about 20 hours a week. I'm not quite getting there all the time, but 15 to 20 hours a week. Yeah, and that's good. You're well on your way to building those hours, and then more opportunity arises from that. Absolutely. So now you have your double I, your CFI double I, single engine. How about multi-engine? Have you thought about doing that also? I, I've already had a couple of training flights. I've started working on my, my yeah. multi-engine add-on, so that'll um, that'll happen pretty soon, I think. Now, I, I will say this. We have one multi-engine airplane at the flight school. Um, it's a, a Beechcraft Duchess. And it just stays busy. And there's uh, one particular – actually, we have two instructors that are MEIs, but there's one in particular that's been there for a while, and that's all he does all day long. And uh, people come from all over the place to uh, take instruction from this fellow, and, and uh, he's really good, and that's great. But the the downside is uh, I'm kind of the last on the totem pole when it comes to getting a hold of that airplane. But with having your multi-engine instructor, the neat thing, and I always advise people to get their multi-instructor, if you find somebody that actually has a twin, you can go out and instruct in that airplane as long as you get those five hours and you can go out and teach in that airplane. It's Absolutely. a great thing to have. I mean, And what's interesting is your life changes when you get your multi-eye. All of a sudden, all these people are finding you because somebody is really busy, like you're talking about, can't do every lesson. So now you get some of those. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. So now flight instruction, the lease back, not, and you're a pretty enterprising individual, and you have a lot of experience in, in administration, so also you're helping the school out with some admin duties too. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, it, very shortly after I started working there, um, the owner um, of the flight school offered me a position as the flight school manager, which I thought was great. I fit right into that role. Um, you know, I could see even as a as a customer of that business, I could see there was a a good opportunity for somebody to take you know to take that spot that just really didn't exist at the time, um, and so uh, you know I've I've kind of stepped into that and. Uh, you know, the funny thing the manager says is that uh, all these CFIs around here, they're not much older than high school students anyway, so you could probably fit right in <laughs> managing them. And so, uh, but uh, I've, I've enjoyed stepping into that role as well, although I'm still, you know, kind of green at all this. I'm learning as I go, but, uh, you know, the more I learn, the more effective I am, I think. So now that you brought up age, let's talk a little bit about that. People that are listening that are similar age, 
they're looking at this saying, gosh, am I going to be able to get students? I have found, and I'd like to hear your experience, that having a little gray hair, you know, you obviously don't have as much as I do, but having a little gray hair does help when you're actually looking for students. It does. And it, uh, you know, in my very limited experience so far, I found that, it, you know, the age of the student has a lot to do with that as well. And so if you have, uh, uh, you know, somebody that's 18, about ready to, to go to school to, uh, to get an aerospace degree, and they're working on their private um, and they're they're totally comfortable with a 23 year old CFI that just graduated or something like that. But uh, you know, if uh, somebody 35 walks through the door and sees that their instructor is going to be 22, uh, sometimes they kind of think that's a little uh, odd. They'd want somebody with a little bit more experience. But uh, but what I found is that you know these the CFIs that I've come in contact with anyway, the ones that I've had and the ones that I'm working with right now. Uh, their age, it, it's just they look awfully young, but they're very good and very experienced. Right, right. Now, the perception, of course, is from the person that's hiring you is uh, that if you're older, you're going to stay around for a while. And that's, uh, that's a lot of times what you hear from a lot of the flight schools. I don't necessarily believe that because there's folks that are like yourself that are going to be leaving in a year, year and a half for the, for the regionals also. Um, and one of the things that I hear, and this is, out of the mouth of the people that run the flight schools is that a lot of times they're much more reliable, they're more settled, they have a lot more experience, and they've dealt with people. Whereas a lot of times dealing with some of the other folks that are brand new and haven't had much experience in life, they're not quite as reliable. Uh, yeah, I see some of that. And uh, and I also see just uh, life experience as being a, a kind of a factor there. And, and not just that, but, you know, teaching is an art form. Not everybody can teach. And, uh, you know, I've I've been a proponent of this idea for my whole career. You know that uh, there there are people out there, plenty of people out there that think just as long as you are an expert at something, you should be able to teach it, and that is definitely not true. Um, you know, I discovered that when I was an undergraduate in college that uh, you know you could have the most brilliant professor in the world, but they may not be able to teach you a thing. Um, and uh, you know, same goes for flight instruction. If uh, you could be one of the best pilots around. Uh, but you may not necessarily be able to transfer that knowledge to a student sitting next to you. Right, and that's true with any expert out there, and it's true with pilots too. Great pilots, they just can't teach. Not everybody should teach. Right. That's for sure. And so (laughs) teaching, you know, teaching something that I stepped in uh, without blinking an eye because I've been doing it for so long. Uh, And, uh, you know, in fact, uh, I remember being really happy that I found out that as I was uh, preparing for my CFI training, there's two tests that most people have to take, the FIA and the FOI, Fundamentals of Instruction, is the second one. And I, I was uh, exempt from that because I have a degree in teaching. So, Awesome. And I'm sure you're a very good teacher. You know, going back to the age thing so people don't misunderstand what we're saying, there's, there are preconceived notions is what we're trying to say in the flight schools and the management at flight schools. And they like to see some people a little bit more age. And that's that kind of the point I'm trying to get across here is the fact that don't be afraid to go out there just because you're older to get a job because a lot of times – you're being welcomed more so than anybody else. Oh, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, again, about the age of the student, you know, because you, you have the young ones walking in that are just about ready to start college, and then you have some others that are, they, especially nowadays with things the way they are now, there are lots of people considering career changes. And so I've got, um, I've got two students right now that are older than I am, and uh, both of them are, are interested in career changes. And so um, they're, uh, they've actually told me they're really inspired by my story and, and uh, what I've done so far. And so they're, they're going to try to follow in my footsteps and 
Um, you know, it's not easy. I'm not going to try to tell anybody that it's an easy thing to do. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily go the pace that I went. I was just really interested in, uh, not wasting any time. And I, you know, being a, an educator, the summertime was the best time to make a transition. So I tried to get done before the start of the next school year. So your story is inspirational, and you're somebody that is enterprising, so you decided to do something else. Uh, we talk on this podcast every so often about drones, and that's another career. If you're thinking of not, not working as a pilot and you just want to get into drones as a career, you can do that and you can make money. So you went ahead and did that. So let's look at – that's another avenue of money making right now for you. So you're doing all these different things. So tell us what you did to become a drone pilot and then also what you're doing now to make money. Absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, it started with the uh, podcast. I don't remember which episode it was, but there was one that was uh, uh, very detailed information about drones and making money doing that. And so, um, and there was a gentleman, I can't remember his name now, but he, uh, he wrote a book on drone photography and such. And so I, uh, I, I looked into that. After listening to that, I, I started, the wheel started turning. And I knew that if I was going to make this move, you know, at that time I hadn't quit my job yet. And so, and I knew if I was going to make this move, I was going to have to find as many freelance income generating opportunities as I could find. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, I was already an RC pilot. You know, I've been flying RC airplanes for many years. Um, I've been threatening to get a drone just for fun, even before it became such a big deal like it is now. And, uh, and that's back when we called them quadcopters. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know, so I thought, well, you know, right now I still have my job. I might actually be able to afford a decent drone that I can make some money with. And I looked into the fact that, uh, as a private pilot, it's really not hard to get that, that part 107 license, you know, not nearly as difficult as it is for someone who doesn't have a private pilot's license. And that's not even really all that difficult. You just have to do some studying and get ready for a written test and such. But, um, so I thought, well, that, that might be a good opportunity. I know some real estate agents. Um, so I went ahead and bought a, a, a nice drone, a good quality drone with a high quality camera. And, uh, I started, uh, I started practicing and working on, you know, what it would take to make good videos for real estate. And now I've got relationships with, uh, two real estate companies. Actually, I've worked for three different real estate companies making videos for their properties. Um, and it's a, it's a great moneymaker and I, I hope it gets busier. <laughs> Can you estimate how much of your income that attributes to percentage wise, maybe? Um, well, it's hard to right now cause it's, uh, it's not super consistent. I probably do two or three jobs a month right now and I'd like to get that to maybe two or three a week, but, uh, uh, but yeah, if I, if I do one real estate shoot, um, and then edit video and give them a finished product, um, that probably, it, it probably takes me about three or four hours to do. And it would take me, I'd say two or three days of flight training to make that much money. Okay. That's great. Great example. Uh, so it is a lucrative field. Very doing much. Photography and drone photography. Well, I, there are people out there that make, a, that make their living doing it. And I, you know, I'm nowhere near that, but, <laughs> but it's good for side money. Yeah. There's uh, whole organizations that make really good money uh, doing drone photography and also other work. And I think uh, this field is just going to grow. I, I don't know what you feel like, but, but I think it's really going to go oh, forward. Oh, yeah. I think we're just in the beginning stages of where it's going to go. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that a lot of people think of in their life when they're changing careers like you did, you know, drones, flight instruction, lease back, you have all these things going on is their families. They think about their families and you know how that's going to affect them doing this career change. And you're a good example of somebody who actually was communicating with their family. Uh, what type of challenges would you see facing an individual that has a family who wants to move into this career? 
there there are certainly some financial challenges because uh, you know even though the situation is much better than it was ten years ago, there's still a phase you have to go through that I I, I lovingly call it the poverty phase of making a career transition. But it's uh, you know it's it's not nearly what it used to be. It used to be you sit in the right seat of a regional airline and make not nearly enough money to live on. You know. And now the way it is, as soon as you get your uh, 1,500 hours, if that's how much you need, then uh, you walk into a regional, and I'm, you know, most of them seem to be paying somewhere around 60,000 a year to start off with. And so, uh, but uh, so the there's still the year, year and a half of flight instruction and trying to build hours that you know it takes uh, it, it takes some creative financing. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's what I had to look at was uh, the the income that I was losing. The benefits that I was losing that was pretty huge because uh, now all of a sudden I have to have private health insurance for my family. Um, I had heard horror stories about how much that was going to cost, and I hadn't done any of my own research at that point, so I've obviously I had to start doing that. Um, I had to uh, definitely have the support of my wife um, because uh, you know without that, this I don't think would ever even come close to succeeding. And so uh, we talked uh, talked it over quite a bit, uh, very extensively, and. Uh, and she she's on board with it. She's my biggest my biggest supporter. And so, um, and I definitely need that because uh, you know I, I, there's no sugarcoating the fact that it's 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 challenging financially. And and I'm the sole breadwinner of my household. So um, she's starting to pick up some freelance work as an interior decorator though, and that's a good thing. So I can't really say sole breadwinner anymore. <laughs> well, that's terrific that you you're able to work together there. And that's one of the things that I think is a challenge when we do the coaching sessions. That's something we get into more specific. You know as far as the situation both psychologically and also monetarily you know it's it really is it's tough to talk about those things sometimes isn't it you know uh, money. yeah it is and uh you know and, and it's you know like i said stepping out in faith um you know it, it's hard to make the decision to subject your family to what could be extremely difficult financial situation yeah it is well tim we only have a few more minutes left so uh just a a, a I was wondering, is there any advice you'd give to somebody that's actually thinking of doing this career change, career changes in general, but to becoming a pilot? And then we'll also want to know what's next. Oh, well, that's a, that's a really good question. But uh, advice that I would give is if you, if you really have a passion for it and you're really going through life just uh, you know, not really necessarily all that happy with what you're doing, or maybe you're just sort of lukewarm about it. Maybe you're not unhappy but you're just kind of lukewarm and you think that being a pilot would be something that you could just wake up smiling about every day. You know, that's my story. And, um, and I can remember, uh, thinking I, we only have one life, you know, and, uh, I've spent most of my adult life thinking I just, you know, it's not in the cards for me to be a pilot. I can't afford all that. You know, that's for rich people. Right. And so, um, I made a decision that, uh, you know, I'm going to be in charge of my life and I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. If you have the right ambition and if you, uh, have some creativity with finances and, you know, and mostly just drive, just, uh, just the desire to get it done. There's, it, when there's a will, there's a way always, especially nowadays with the situation, the way it is in aviation. And, uh, so what's next for me? I really don't know. Um, I, uh, you know, I have 425 hours somewhere around in there. Um, I know that, uh, I can start being viable pretty soon for some other things besides flight instruction, but I don't know if I'll do that. I think, uh, I think the fastest way to build hours, at least where I am, is is flight instruction. And so um, I could be somebody who gets to 1,500 hours and goes to a regional airline. Uh, that That's a possibility. I've thought about being a corporate pilot. Maybe there's something I could do that's more local or better quality of life. 
uh, I'm kind of like uh, like your friend Paul that I've listened to a lot. That uh, you know, quality of life. I remember him saying is uh, because he's a family man and he wanted that to be his number one priority. And I'm I'm kind of there with him. Um, I don't really want to uh, to leave and be gone for a week and a half and come back. That's not that's not the kind of life I want to lead. Um, so whatever whatever opportunity comes my way that's going to fit that bill, that's that's what I'm going to hopefully go for. Well, we'll be following your story, that's for sure, and hopefully you'll come back on uh, the podcast again. You don't actually have to fly in, though, to do that. <laughs> you know? that, was, that was quite a ways to go to come out, to, and we really appreciate you coming Well, out. I might be banned from this FBO after calling them at 3 in the morning. I'm not sure. Oh, my gosh, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. It's just flying in the, in the middle of the night, and, uh, boy, that uh, you got a little bit delayed on the way here, headwinds, et cetera. So getting out of the airport was a challenge, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I, uh, One possibility was going to be jumping a barbed wire fence, but I didn't really want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and that's a, a learning experience too. You know, make sure you get in touch with the FBO, let them know sure. you're, you're on your way, that type of thing. And we, <laughs> and believe me, I've, I've done the same myself. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, of course, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com will forward the emails to you. Uh, but And also, if you're looking at some more particular advice, we obviously have that on the website on our coaching page. Uh, one of the other things, too, you have this business website or a Facebook page, I think, so let's mention that since you work so hard at that. And that is? Sure. It's a, it's called Lake Aviation. It's a really creative name. Um, and it's uh, you know you can easily find that on Facebook at facebook.com slash lakeaviation. Um, and I don't have a website just yet. I just have the, the Facebook page, but uh, there's some sample videos there and things like that. Cool. And you're in one of the largest flight schools down in uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. At uh, Can we mention the name of the flight school? Oh, sure. Yes, it's Murfreesboro Aviation, um, and it's actually the second busiest flight school in Tennessee okay. behind Middle Tennessee State University, which is right there in the same airport. And so you can imagine what this, uh, the traffic's like at this airport. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, a fellow MTSU grad is actually the, you know, the director of aerospace at Polk State College, which is on the other side of the field. We're actually right here on, on Lakeland Airport at Shelter. And by the way, a big shout out to Shelter Aviation here in Lakeland for letting us use their conference room here. Uh, the other thing, too, is that one of the things that's been great about you is listening to your motivation and going forward. And we want hear more of that so let's do another skype call when you get to that next level oh, absolutely and, and one piece of advice i'll give you and and anybody else that's in the same situation start applying now uh go onto the website start looking at those airline websites and uh, we have people with less hours than you getting conditional offers of higher at at regional airlines right now the people are reaching out to the flight schools uh you talked about dollars i have one regional airline that's flying turboprops that offered seventy four thousand dollars a first year wow now that's a first year remember we talked about this before that's those are incentives you're going to go way down after that but uh, in my first four years i didn't make that much money total so it's a wonderful time to be a, a regional pilot there's a big shortage of regional pilots and it's kind of hurting the majors too finding qualified pilots in general uh, and things may change in the future but you're going to see more and more partnerships with the flight schools and you're going to see people coming out to see you yeah certainly in fact we just uh, we just partnered up with a pretty big regional airline at our flight school awesome well, can we say who it is or uh, I don't see why not. It's Express Jet. Express Jet, cool. Yeah, and they're yeah. very proactive, mm-hmm. uh, getting out there at many of the different flight schools and, and the colleges. And I think that's awesome that they're doing that. They're all doing more and more of that, and they're realizing this is where their bread is buttered. It also gives them that opportunity to get to know you before they actually hire you, and I think that's great too. Uh, but, Tim, thanks 
so much for being here, and thanks for coming out. I mean, this this is awesome. Oh, this, this is great. This, I, I wanted I, to meet you. You're yeah, you're a movie well, star. Yeah, that was. Well, I don't know about movie star, but, <laughs> but coming out to fly out to see us, you're the first person that's actually flown their own airplane. We've had people fly into Orlando <laughs> and Tampa, but you actually flew in your own 172 out here. Well, just so, he- hearing you say that, I still kind of don't believe it. You know, <laughs> even though it's been that situation for more than a year now. Wow, wow, it's 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 interesting. I I really think that. Uh, People are going to take what your words are, and they're going to use them to help themselves. And you're motivating them, and I think that's terrific. So if you have a story and you're listening, we want to hear from you too. You know, And, and everybody has one. And uh, Tim and myself and everybody else that's on here, we're, we're kind of put paying it forward by, by helping you move forward in your career. Absolutely. I'd, I'd, I'd be just thrilled to give anybody any kind of advice, just in my limited experience. But you know, there's always somebody that you know that that needs the amount of experience you have you know <laughs> well that's a, that's uh, going to wrap it up for today tim gosh this has been awesome uh we're definitely going to have you back on again shortly probably do it over skype maybe in person who knows next who knows? time in, <laughs> next time i'm in nashville i have to come in now oh, there you go oh and that's the other thing on the facebook page we've been mentioning where i am so make sure you follow me or follow aviation careers podcast so if i'm on an overnight and i'll just tell you whatever hotel i'm at and if you're there uh, no matter who you are just come on and visit so we'd love love to visit with you <laughs> Well, folks, this is Carl Valerian. Like I say at every episode, do something today, do something now to move forward in your career. And it could be something small, listening to the podcast, reading a book about aviation, reading something about drones or how to get into a lease back. But do something today, do something now to move forward in your career. Safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.